Welcome to Balance Do. Thank you for joining us. We couldn't do this without you, so I pray you continue to support our endeavors while we take this journey together during these very troubled times. Now, being a minister, I hear a lot of stories. And since we're in the midst of a mental health crisis, it's imperative for us to share and learn from each other. So in this segment of the Minister of Balance, we will share a story of two vainglorious narcissists who fall in love. Yes, a story about the vainglory. And here's the setup. We have Ken Eagle, early 40s, small town guy, social butterfly. And then there's Kim Candy in her 40s. She's a big city girl, a perfectionist, always concerned about how she's perceived by others. So they meet at a mad rally. Yes, and mad is short for make America a dictatorship. Ken, he first notices Kim while she's standing in a line in front of him. They're both preparing to buy some mad paraphernalia you know, before the rally starts. Kim buys a shirt with a pic of a bald-headed black man, and under his pic, his name is printed, Senator Rimshot. And Ken, he ends up a shirt with a pic of President Hornswoggle, sitting at a table preparing to eat, and underneath his pic it says, stakes are high, vote for more lies. So Kim and Ken make eye contact. And he compliments her, tells her she's very pretty and she's going to look even better with that mad gear on. And she smiles, she gives Kim the, Ken the once over, checks him out from head to toe. However, she can't really tell Ken's financial status by, by the way he's dressed, you know. Because everybody at the event is mostly dressed casual as if they're uh, dwelling in areas surrounded by dirt and trailer parks. But in her eyes, he's handsome. And they both share political ideology and considering her current status single, which is rarely the case, uh, we'll call it what her ex-boyfriends do. Uh, in an attempt to try and quell the exit plan, a temporary timeout. Cause see, most of her ex-boyfriends, according to several news outlets, claim she's high maintenance. She has a reputation for sucking the ever-loving life out of them until they can't take it anymore and flee. One of her high-profile exes actually faked his own death just to break up with her. So upon meeting Ken, she thinks to herself, today is this man's lucky day. So they exchange numbers and the story begins. And it starts out pretty good. It's, it's like a match made in heaven. I mean, she loves his perceived confidence and, and uh, Ken is smitten by Kim's fashion style. He likes her. Her hair, her makeup, her outfits, all are color-coordinated. He, he feels quite lucky to be in the presence of an ex-model and fashion designer. And besides, he's looking for ideas, anything he can add to his hip-hop persona. So she invites him to a fashion show, and uh, he's just ecstatic. I mean, so the day before the event, Ken goes to the store and gets some real expensive clothes, you know, although he makes sure he checks the return policy. And... Uh, so he breaks out the charge card and he's all set for his first real night out with Kim. And Ken likes looking at the runway models. He's having a great time. I mean, and his creative juices are flowing. He has a lot of great ideas on how he would like to enhance his uh, persona. So after the fashion show, they go to an after party and he's having the time of his life. I mean, he can't believe he's sitting at a table hobnobbing with some of the entertainment elites eating expensive food and drinking expensive champagne, think to yourself, 
if they only knew they were sitting at a table with a 40-year-old unemployed rapper who doesn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Boy, if they knew, they'd laugh their ass off. So in other words, he's become the master of disguise. I mean, Kim, after a month of them dating, still doesn't know what Ken does for a living. But Ken, you know, whenever he sees uh, the convo moving in that direction, he redirects it and makes all the focus about Kim. And since she's full of herself, she seems fine with that. Now, to make a long story short, after the party, they go back to her place and they have some very passionate lovemaking. You know, and after a couple of weeks of dating bliss, reality starts to set in. You know, things start to turn sour as a result of some negative press that Kim's getting, you know. Uh, She's a very popular celebrity fashion designer and her competitors are always looking for a way to take her down. So the paparazzi is constantly following her and, and the public is wondering, who is this new guy that she's hanging out with? So Kim, in an effort to control the narrative, sets up a meeting at the White House with President Hornswoggle. She figures she can kill two birds with one stone. Number one, she can introduce Ken as a criminal justice advocate. And number two, since President Hornswoggle is viewed as one of the most corrupt presidents in the history of the United States, and furthermore, his favorability or ratings among blacks is very low, she figures the optics would be a win for all parties involved. So President Hornswoggle agrees to the public meeting, and in an effort to double down, also invites his old friend, a retired legend and soccer star, Jim Black, who is a highly revered civil rights activist. So they're all in the Oval Office and Ken, Kim, Hornswoggle, and Jim Black, and they're ready to discuss a justice reform proposal. So the cameras are on and they're answering questions from the journalists, and it ends up being a dog and pony shit show. Ken has no real focus. He's instead trying to promote his rap songs and make a correlation to the criminal justice and Jim, he didn't even get much of a chance to talk because Ken just dominated the conversation. So Jim, he leaves the conference pissed off. He felt as though it was a hit job and a potential asterisk on his uh, legacy. Uh, his, his jersey still hangs from the rafters at the stadium of the Boston Ball Kickers, you know, the team that he retired from. And he's been retired now for over 60 years. Now, he was... He was there for racial reconciliation and justice reform, and instead, it turned into a Kim, Ken, and Hornswoggle shit show. Now, as a result, in the papers all across America after this very public conference, Ken was exposed as being an unemployed rapper with a rap sheet. He has some B&Es. And Kim was viewed by the public as being a charlatan, just selling sex for profit, and exposed as being negligent for not paying or honoring her lease on some of her body parts that she purchased. The warranties were about to expire and she still owed money on her nose job or boob job or hip replacement. And last but not least, her Brazilian butt lift. Now after the negative public outcry, Kim was livid. Her whole persona was taking a hit. Her followers on social media were unfollowing her. Her likes were severely reduced. After that, she didn't want nothing to do with Ken. She ghosted him, unfollowed him on all her social networks. And Ken, he was down in the dumps. He took the clothes back, returned them, got his money. And from the mall, went straight to the bar to drown his sorrows. 
And unbeknownst to Ken, Jim Black happened to be there. He sees Ken and decides to confront him. Jim's like, hey man, what was that dog and pony show at the White House all about? And Ken replies, I don't know man, Kim organized everything. Jim then says, well, I was there to try and quell racial relations. People forget, I was taking a stand on criminal justice and racism before it was cool. Them damn politicians everywhere making me feel angry and weary. And then Ken's like, yeah, I know. George Bush don't care about black people. But did you know I was the greatest rapper of all time? Jim then looked at him like, this nigga done lost his marbles. Then Jim decides to provoke him and says, well, emphatically speaking, I think Vanilla Ice raps a lot better. And I mean that literally and figuratively. Ken was livid. He was enraged with anger. So enraged that he swings at Jim. Now Ken's punch lands, but Jim didn't even flinch. He just snatched him up and shook Ken around like a ragdoll, then tossed him across the bar from the left part of the bar table. And Ken's body was moving with such extreme velocity, crashing through people's drinks head first. And before, before he made it to the right side of the bar, Jim was right there waiting. He then stood Ken up, punched him in the gut. Ken then folded over. Jim then took both hands, clasped them together, and started pounding Ken's head, Ken's head in like a hammer. Like a hammer with his nails. And before Jim could finish his job of destruction, he could hear sirens in the background. He could also feel the security team tugging at his pant leg. Then Jim decides it's time to start booking, and he took off running. I mean, he ran over one of the guys that was standing at the door to try to get him to stay there. And then, then he juked this other guy that was out in front and stiff time another, and Jim was off in the wind. He was in the five. He was to the 10. He was to the 20. He was to the 30. He's going all the way. Jim ended up running for over 25,000 yards before they ended up putting an APB out on him and catching up to him. Now, strange as it sounds, this relationship between Ken and, Ken and Kim could have worked, but they both had ulterior motives. I mean, Kim was more concerned with the approval of her peers than nurturing the newfound relationship. And Ken, all he cared about was being the greatest rapper of all time. He should have come clean about his record too, you know, his criminal record, and explained his situation and defined himself before Kim could. I mean, she was too selfish to ever really have a lasting and meaningful relationship. Money and fame is her agenda. As much as she can get, any way she can get it, whether it's through fake publicity, through the purchase of fake body parts. Now, Ken, he felt as though uh, he would have been perceived as being weak as a result of sharing his dreams and ambitions. And my philosophy, you know, uh, you, you have a better chance of getting a real relationship if you're real with your, you know, the, your significant other, if you're fake, you're going to end up getting with somebody fake. I mean, birds of a feather all flock together. But, you know, if he would have come clean with Kim, though, I'm, that probably wouldn't have worked out. He wouldn't have got anywhere with her because she's uh, she's a little more uh, vain and uh, materialistic. But, hey, he wouldn't have uh, got his hopes up high and wasted uh, any time, either one of them, if they would have been honest with each other. So you get older, you don't have time to waste like that. And, I mean, if she's selling sex and her perceived good looks is 
the ultimate nature of her existence, I mean, what kind of examples does that set for ordinary people? How are people with that mentality supposed to make a healthy transition into old age? I mean, it's shameful, it's ungodly, and you see it all the time on the internet, you know, an entertainment business period, I mean, a cesspool of debauchery. Technology in the entertainment business is one of the biggest proponents of this cavalcade of sin. It's nice to be physically attractive, but the thing to value most are the things that you, you can take with you wherever you go for years and years to come. You know, things like making, making indelible memories, kindness, love, support, a smile, a laugh, loyalty. The good looks, that's, that's, uh, that has a uh, expiration date on it. We must, we must remember, we are spirits. Everything in the physical realm gets left behind, you know. So color, material wealth, in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't matter. They're just temporary niceties. Your house, your car, your clothes, when we are in love with our own reflection, we lose all substance of what makes us unique, and therefore purpose and attractiveness all withers away. This reminds me of a scripture. Matthew 7, 24-29 Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Amen. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Amen. And it did because it didn't have a foundation. It was built on sand. It was, it, it was built on lies. Look here. God is the best artist. When you make changes, you mess with God's plan. And it plays into the devil's manipulation which is for you to think you're never adequate enough. Then you start making changes and then it alters your intended purpose in life. We must realize nobody comes perfectly packaged and what makes you imperfect can be what makes you unique. It can be the thing that distinguishes you from others and furthermore gives you a clue to your intended purpose. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's another one here. Ephesians 2. 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's another scripture. Isaiah 48, 
40 verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. No matter what the circumstances, we can all be redeemed, but only if we face our iniquities and transgressions head on. Please remember, even though the situations may appear dire, stay grateful to God. He gives us mercy even though we sin and we have many shortcomings. Now that concludes today's show. Thank you for supporting Balance 2. We're a veteran-owned, tax-exempt, nonprofit organization. All proceeds from donations go toward furthering our message of inspiration, positivity, and spiritual guidance. All geared toward strengthening community. We need your continued support, whether it's the our podcast, reviewing it, sharing it, volunteering, or donating. For more info on upcoming events or new podcast content, please visit our website at balance2.org. And remember, we don't bend, we don't break, we keep together for heaven's sake. Let's take this journey together, folks. And remember, God blesses those who bless others. And listen to the advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you will be counted among the wise. Hope to see you soon. Peace.